Um, my most important question to you to start um, this talk is, who here has seen the Titanic? A lot of people. Awesome. Um, I had the pleasant experience of watching the, the movie The Titanic, Titanic, whatever it's called, um, as a six-year-old. So that was quite full on. Yeah. Yeah, like when it came out at the movies. Yeah. So um, that really kind of affected me. Um, like, whoa, this actually happened and this big boat sunk and there weren't enough life jackets. And um, when a, a story actually really grips us, it has the potential to change, I guess, the way we think about things um, and our actions and what we do. So for me, um, if I go on a boat, if the Titanic really has profoundly affected me, I'll be thinking, okay, are there enough life jackets? Um, and the reason I say that is because in the time of Advent, we go and we look back on the story of God's work, of Jesus coming as the Messiah, as a baby. We look back and it affects us and how we look forward. It affects our actions and what we think. So today our reading comes from the beginning of Mark's Gospel and we read... Um, oh yeah, Dan, I actually suck with the clicker, so can you just... Things. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you guys are definitely going to be able to read that. Um, we read, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the, pa the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandal... Sandals, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. So in this story, we're reading about John, this kind of wild, hippie man who's living in the wilderness. And by today's standards, I'd say that John is both like a total hippie, but also a total hipster. Um, he's living off the grid. He's eating a diet of no refined sugars. It's high in protein. Uh, he's this kind of zany character who manages to sustain living out in the wilderness. Um, God sent him out there in order to be a messenger of God, to proclaim to people, the wait is almost up. Get prepared, y'all. Christ is about to arrive. And after him, the Holy Spirit. So the people that John's preaching to were Jews, living in and around Judea, which was kind of this occupied state that had... Um, the Roman Empire sort of oppressing it. So they're sort of oppressed people um, waiting for God's Messiah to come and sort things out. So John says, you know how um, we had some prophets a while ago, those old prophets, they said that there's going to be a messenger coming. He's like, guys, that's me. I'm the messenger. This is my announcement that there's one that's coming after me. John's the like opening act before the band. He's getting the crowds pumped. He's like, get prepared, wake up, something's going to happen. Get out of bed, open your eyes. John's like the first bird in the morning when it's still dark, it's chirping, saying dawn is about to erupt across the sky. 
It's like those watchmen that Scotty was talking about last week, staring out into the night. John's the one that says, I see the light coming before anybody else does. His message to people is get up and get prepared. Return to God. Acknowledge the heaviness of your sins in your life. Get prepared because the Messiah is coming and with him he's going to bring in a new order of God. So last week, Scott was speaking about waiting. Advent is this time of waiting and of watching and of waking up. So for the last few weeks, I've been paying real attention to what makes me wait and where I'm watchful. And not to trivialise this, but the most obvious example for me is waiting for the bus. Because I realise that if I'm not actually watching for the bus, I will miss it. Even if I'm in the right place, if I'm not paying attention, and this has happened, if I'm so absorbed in something else, the bus is going to sail by. And it's so too with Christ this season. If we aren't watching, if we aren't looking for Christ's coming, we might miss it. We might miss the work of the Spirit. It's not simply enough to be waiting. We need to be watching. We need to be awake. We need to be prepared. So when I'm waiting for a bus, another thing for those of you who aren't familiar with public transport in Wellington, um, it's not good enough just to be waiting and watchful. You also have to be prepared. You have to have that snapper card ready to tag on. Otherwise, there could be trouble. So waiting is active. It's not passive. While we wait, we prepare and we hope. We prepare with our hands and with our hearts. In the story of John, he invites people to come out away from the city of Jerusalem, out from other areas of the countryside, come to him and get into the cool waters of the Jordan. They are actually enacting their waiting. They're getting themselves prepared physically. So for me, the word wait kind of has this passive boredom component to it. Thinking about waiting actually makes me feel a little bit annoyed, like how I do every morning when I go to work and I have to wait 20 minutes for my computer to turn on. The idea of waiting makes me feel uncomfortable and impatient, like I'm losing time, which is valuable to me. And maybe that's a bit of the Advent journey as well, learning patience in my restlessness. But I hope that what you're starting to see over these weeks is that waiting is not just sitting with your eyes shut. It's not passive. It's wakeful. It's alert. It's hopeful. In Hebrew, the word to wait is the same word as to hope. So when the Psalms read, wait for the Lord, it means the same as hope for the Lord. Our waiting isn't a bored kind of, wait for the Lord, but it's an excited Wait for the Lord. Like, it's hopeful. It's joyful. When we look back on the story of the first coming of Christ, we remember that those people were watchfully waiting and they were getting prepared and that we are invited to do the same today. If we become absorbed in that story, we realise that... Oh, what was that? Oops. Is anybody hurt? Yeah, we're all good, sorry. Oh, was that? I'm pleased you're all good. What was that? Um, what was that? Let's just get that, yeah. What was that, Something fell over. Like what? I hope you can give me a lift. No, no hurt feelings. No hurt feelings. No hurt feelings. Yep, no, just some hurt positions, but that's okay. 
Yeah, we look back on the story of waiting and preparation, and we ourselves participate in a story of waiting and preparation. We become absorbed in this narrative. We become part of the retelling for it, of it. We look forward and await what God will do next, longing to see what's to come. So at the time of Advent, we are encouraged to allow ourselves to actually long for something, to notice the lack in our lives and to hope for what we don't yet have. To long for the wrongs of the world to be righted, to long for the coming justice and peace and fullness of redemption of all creation through the return of Jesus. We remember that Jesus came once and promised to come again. So for some of you, as you hear this, you may already be familiar with waiting. Waiting on test results from university or from the doctors. Waiting to find out if you'll get that new flat so you'll have somewhere to live. Waiting to hear from someone you love that is far away. Waiting on the court system or on study link or to hear back about a job. Waiting on the hope of children not yet born for the possibility of someone to love and to be with. Waiting for healing and recovery. Waiting for something that you don't know if you'll live to see. This kind of waiting, this kind of hoping is dangerous. To actually let ourselves engage with the lack that there is in our lives and in our world is scary. It kind of ups the chances of disappointment. It increases our realisation that we're not in control. At Advent, when we wait, we reckon with the fragility of our lives and we remember where our hope truly comes from and the glorious hope that it is. In Advent, we look back at the people waiting for the Messiah, people who were oppressed and were fed up with waiting, sick of getting a stink deal from the Romans, People waiting for oppression to be released through the new order of God breaking in. And we see this story of hope and of longing, and we are part of that story. That story is ours too. When we retell that, when we relive that in the present age, we look ahead to a new work of God, to the, the coming of the Holy Spirit more and more, to the return of Jesus. interactive and I actually realized I didn't look up this verse so someone's going to have to help me out there but um, there's a verse which talks about that hope that you already you don't hope for what you already have you hope for that which isn't yet realized anybody going to help me out Romans 8 yeah yeah awesome thank you Jess um so the, there's this aspect of hope to which we're always leaning ahead, like it's not certain, it's not pinned down, we don't know when it's going to arrive. So when we look back on the story that, um, of the people in John's time, we recognise we recognized that the story wasn't made complete then. We, we've got a bit more information than they did. They... Uh, we're waiting for the Messiah and they didn't really know what he'd be like and then Jesus came and we get those stories in the scriptures. Um, but they were really surprised. So one of the things I want to pull out this Advent as well as um, 
that of waiting, that of getting prepared, of allowing yourself to long for the coming of God and the hope of God, is to remember to be surprised. So Israel were longing for God to fulfill his word to them and to provide a Messiah. And while they um, were waiting for this, they kind of had developed in their minds an idea of what that Messiah would look like. So they were trying to be watchful and keep their eyes open, but their gaze had kind of become a bit narrowed and a bit honed in on like, this is how God's going to fulfill these things. And they were surprised by Jesus, so much so that many people didn't actually recognise him. So even John the Baptist, who proclaimed he was announcing the coming Messiah, um, this guy that's living out in the desert, calling people, saying like, the Christ is coming, he has this moment where he falters and he's unsure whether Jesus Christ is actually the one that he's been waiting for. So we read in Matthew 11 that um, John has wound up in prison because he's got on the wrong side of King Herod. And while in prison, um, John hears about what Jesus is doing. And he's a bit disappointed and he's wondering, mate, did I get it wrong? Jesus isn't the guy that John was expecting. John was expecting Jesus to be a man of fire, sweeping through Israel like Elijah had, sorting out the corrupt people who were in power. Probably top of John's list would be King Herod, who'd thrown him in jail, and establishing this new order. So even as this chosen messenger of God, who foretold the coming of Christ, John was still confused and surprised at how things were playing out. Jesus was going around befriending tax collectors and sinners, people who Jews regarded strictly as being outsiders. And John is thinking, what sort of Messiah could Jesus be, one that teaches in the synagogues, preaches the gospel of the kingdom, and heals every disease and infirmity? And so John, in this moment of doubt, asks the question, "Um, are you the one who is to come, or should we be waiting for another one? And that's probably a pretty low moment for him. He's saying, have I got it all wrong? I had so much hope, but this just does not make sense at all. And I think for a lot of us, that sentiment um, is one that we, I don't know, I've, I've definitely experienced that. Like, God, did I just get this totally wrong? And Jesus sends word to him. In prison, and he channels the words of the prophet Isaiah, saying, saying to the people who um, deliver the message to John, Hear and see, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offence at me. And Jesus replied to John, The one who formerly had been this great, awesome testifier to the Messiah, he's testified to by the Christ. There's this role reversal where even um, someone as strong as John the Baptist, a figure that um, clearly heard from God and had this call on his life, um, still is revealed, something of God is revealed to him that he wasn't expecting. He was surprised. Jesus had shown up and done things that John was not prepared for. Jesus didn't fit into the special script that John had imagined, and that's a humbling, confronting, beautiful revelation to him. That he testified to the Messiah coming, but the Messiah was different to what he expected, was more than what he expected. 
In this understanding, John the Baptist needs a new understanding of who the Messiah is, what sort of work the Messiah does, and what sort of people he does it with. Earlier this year, the crew from Lao Bay went up to Waikanae for a weekend, and um, we were staying at an Airbnb place. And they had this like folder, like a clear file folder that had all the instructions about how to turn on the oven and you know the details of where to find the fuse box and ready, ready, blah, blah. And um, there was this great moment where Jamie um, was looking for the folder. And the rest of us were just chilling out in the lounge, and I don't know why Jamie needed the folder, maybe to turn on the spa or something. And, um, and he's like angstily walking around looking for the folder, and everyone just sort of ignores him and isn't really helping or anything. And then I say to him, Oh, Jamie, like, what are you doing? He's like, Ah, oh, I'm looking for the red folder, the, that, that one that tells us all the things. I'm like, Ah, oh, it's the blue folder, it's right here. And I don't know if any of you have had a moment like that. I'm not very good at looking for things, but sometimes we get so like, I'm looking for the red folder that our gaze is narrowed um, to the point where we can't actually see what's in front of us. We can't imagine that something different would actually be the thing we're looking for. And so the invitation this Advent, as we look back on the story of waiting and preparation, is to also remember the surprise that Jesus was to those people. To allow this story to become our story as we look ahead. We look back at those waiting for Christ and the Holy Spirit to come. People waiting for freedom to come. And we ourselves wait. We ourselves hope. We ourselves become the people who long for the Holy Spirit to break in anew. Into our lives and into this world. For Jesus to return and to bring his kingdom of justice and peace. To the world in all fullness. We wait for Jesus and we do so as those who are getting prepared, who are trying to stay watchful and ready to respond to God where we see his spirit working. We look back at John, this messenger, calling people to prepare and we realise that we too are messengers. We are messengers of preparation who say with John, prepare your hearts, turn to God, But more than that, having seen the full story of Jesus' life, we know that we are messengers proclaiming that the Messiah has come, that the Holy Spirit is here, and that Jesus is coming back. We are messengers who proclaim this over our lives and we share it with those around us. And when we look back, we learn from John, remembering that we do not have a monopoly on the whole story. We remember that we need to leave room for surprise. To be surprised at how God will show up. To not narrow our gaze so much that we might mistake the work of God that's happening right in front of us. We remember that Jesus came and blew everyone out of the water. We remember that the Christmas story is totally wacky. A saviour born as a baby in a barn to some teenagers, that this God of ours is, ex- is surprising and exciting and working in weird ways. In this season of Advent, we don't just wait for the same old events to play out. We remember to be alert to the work of our God by the Spirit 
and be prepared to respond to it. We remember to be hopeful because of the beautiful way our God has and will continue to surprise us.